1: get promotions, to, to gain a better career, to do this or do that. And we've cast our children aside. We've stepped on them on our way to prosperity in the name of prosperity, in the name of health, in the name of what we want. We've done that and we left our children behind. It's a very sad thing. Very sad. So as I say constantly, nothing seems to have changed in all these times. There's nothing new under the sun. And Although we're not killing our children as such, yet we are stepping on
0: them in many ways. It's easy to find ways to justify neglecting God's call to parent in a way that honors Him. You work long hours to make sure you can provide everything they want or need, or you let them watch whatever they want because they're going to anyway. In today's message, Pastor Dave will warn us against the danger of compromise. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of 2 Kings chapter 16 as he begins his message, Judah, a Compromising Nation.
1: We are going to continue in our study in the book of 2 Kings. We are going to be in chapter 16, chapter 16 of 2 Kings. So if you will turn in your Bibles to chapter 16. And I like to give titles to the messages as we go along. The message today is entitled, Judah, a Compromising Kingdom. So as we come to this section of 2 Kings, the kingdom of Israel has... Forsaken the Lord God Jehovah and followed after foreign gods and are worshiping idols. And each king in succession has followed the footsteps of the very first king of Israel which was Jeroboam, whose scripture says made Israel sin. The kingdom of Judah was not much better. And although some of the kings had done evil in the sight of the Lord, they were Committed to the Lord only half-heartedly. Instead of committing their lives and their reign totally to the Lord, they refused to take down the high places. The high places that were used for sacrifice and burnt offerings. The high places that were set up by Solomon and others as they still worshipped these idols. This was against God's law. This was against everything that God had told them, coming out of Mount Sinai, had told their forefathers. They brought this down, but they continued to do this. Sadly, each kingdom separately was now plunging headlong towards God's judgment. Each kingdom would be judged separately. And we will see this as we continue to go through the book of 2 Kings. And it's not too distant future. In fact, next week when we get to chapter 17, we will see that Israel, that northern kingdom, is carried away by the Assyrians. God's judgment will fall on each kingdom. So in chapter 16, we see the next king in the southern kingdom in secession who makes Judah a compromising nation. And if you have your handy helpful guidelines here, the next king on the list is the king Ahaz. He is the son of Jotham. Ahaz, you can see him right there in the list of kings. So we can look at that. He is a compromising king, and he leads Judah to become a compromising nation. So let's read in 2 Kings 16, verses 1 through 4. In the 17th year of Pekah, the son of Remaliah. Ahaz, the son of Jothan, king of Judah, began to reign. Ahaz was twenty years old when he became king and he reigned sixteen years in Jerusalem and He did not do what was right in the sight of the Lord his God, his father David as his father David had done, but he walked in the way of the kings of Israel. Indeed, he made his sons pass through the fire according to the abominations of the nations whom the Lord had cast out from before the children of Israel. And he sacrificed and burned incense on the high places, on the hills, and under every green tree. So we come to this king. This king, his name is Ahaz. He's the son of Jotham, and you can look at your scorecard for that, where his father, Jotham, was deemed a good king. Because under his reign Israel prospered, Ahaz, on the other hand, was not a godly man or even a good man. Instead of discovering the will of God for the kingdom, Ahaz imitated the wicked kings of Israel. It says, walking in their ways. What does that mean? It means he rejected the godly heritage of David. He rejected God the Father. He rejected the Lord God Jehovah And he embraced foreign gods, even going so far as to imitate the pagan practices of the Assyrians. This is crucial, folks. One particular practice that they had was that of human sacrifice, specifically infant sacrifice. Look at verse 3 again. Let me reread that. But he walked in the way of the kings of Israel. Indeed, he made his son pass through the fire according to the abominations of the nations whom the Lord had cast out from before the children of Israel. He embraced these practices. He made his son pass through the fire. What does this mean? During the practice of Baal, but specifically and more importantly, during the the pagan god of Molech, They sacrificed infants. It was believed that if a person placed their eldest son in the arms of the statue of this pagan god, Molech, his family would be prosperous, that they would be prosperous. And upon further study, it appears that how they did this was they took the arms of the statue and they heated it to a red-hot heat. They heated it to a red-hot heat, and then they would place the infant son into those arms and immediately would burn up and die. They destroyed these children, these harmless, beautiful little children they destroyed. This practice was strictly forbidden by the law. You can read about it in Leviticus 18, verse 21. You can read about it in Deuteronomy 18, 10. And because of this, in Leviticus 20, the Lord passes a death sentence on all who worship Melech. Think about that. All who would kill their children, the Lord passes a death sentence on. Makes me very fearful for the thousands upon thousands of babies that are being boarded every day. Makes me extremely fearful and sad. But... There are ways other than killing our children that we can sacrifice them in order to get prosperity or personal gain. The Jewish sons were supposed to be redeemed by sacrifice and then offered to the Lord. They belonged to God. They offered them back to the Lord. But some of us have cast our children aside to get promotions, to to gain a better career, to do this or do that. And we've cast our children aside. We've stepped on them on our way to prosperity in the name of prosperity, in the name of health, in the name of what we want. We've done that, and we left our children behind. It's a very sad thing, very sad. So as I say constantly, nothing seems to have changed in all these times. There's nothing new under the sun. And although we're not killing our children as such, yet we are stepping on them in many ways. As we read this chapter, we're going to see that Ahaz was a compromiser both in the practice of his religion, and his political leadership. The first thing we want to look at is political leadership and the political compromise. So let's read verses 5 through 9. Then Razin, king of Syria, and Pekah, the son of Remaliah, king of Israel, came up to Jerusalem to make war. And they besieged Ahaz, but could not overcome him. At that time, Rezin, king of Syria, captured elah of for Syria and drove the men of Judah to Elath. Then the Edomites went to Elath and dwelt and and dwell there to this day. So Ahaz sent messengers to Teglath Pelzler, king of Assyria, saying, "I am your servant and your son. Come up and save me from the hand of the king of Syria and from the hand of the king of Israel who rise up against me." And Ahaz took the silver and the gold that was found in the house of the Lord and in the treasures of the king's house and sent it as a present to the king of Assyria. So the king of Assyria hated him, for the king of Assyria went up against Damascus, took it, and carried his people captive to Kerr and killed Razim. So here we have the first compromise of this man. Two kings come against Jerusalem. And again, we need to go to the 28th chapter of 2 Chronicles to really get into the meat of what's happening here. We need to look at that because it was actually the Lord who brought these two kings against Judah. It was the Lord who sent these two kings against Judah to punish Ahaz for the treatment of his son. So the Lord is punishing Ahaz and he's punishing the nation Judah. A great deal of damage was done by these kings, but they couldn't take out Jerusalem. They, they failed. We read that one of the sons of Ahaz was killed and about 40 officers of the state. Again, Second Chronicles 28 goes into more detail than what we have here in 2 Kings. And although the enemies of Judah could not capture Jerusalem, they did cause great damage by killing thousands of soldiers and then taking thousands more prisoners off to Samaria. Once again, reading Second Chronicles, we find that the Lord raises up a prophet in Israel to warn the Samaritans that they were breaking God's law and inviting his judgment by taking people to Judah. The prophet's name is Oded, and he pointed out three sins that the army of Israel was committing. First, they were capturing the people of Israel. Remember, these are God's children still. They may be in the northern kingdom, but they are still God's children. Not only were they capturing the people, but they were killing them indiscriminately. And thirdly, they were making slaves out of the captives. And no Israelite should be a slave, according to God's law. So they were breaking God's law, left and right. And Oded prophesied against them. He told the people of Israel that in doing these things, they showed no fear of the Lord. And basically were asking and basically begging for the Lord to punish them by doing these things. God was indeed angry with Judah, but he would be also angry at Israel for threatening Judah in the way they were. What is really, really interesting is that after the message was delivered by the prophet, the leaders of Israel stood and affirmed what had been told to them and urged the army to cease and desist and not sin against the Lord Jehovah. The remarkable thing happened. The people accepted the message of God and they repented. They changed their, their treatment of their prisoners. They fed them and helped those who were wounded. But unfortunately, this was short-lived. They eventually go back to their wicked ways. They let the captives return to Judah with a message. What do you think the message was that the captives took back to Judah? Be careful when you have captives of your own. Be careful to take or else you too will be carried away captive. This falls on deaf ears because we know that in not too many years hence, Judah would be carried away to Babylon and they would become captive for 70 years, according to God's prophecy. Interesting that the Lord chastises a nation who has no relationship with him. The Lord chastises a nation who has no relationship with him. And and you know that in Psalm 33, that beautiful Statement that the psalmist makes, 33 verse 12 says, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people he has chosen as his own inheritance. It's interesting. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, a nation that will consciously align itself with God and all his purposes will be blessed. And I'm a history buff and I have gone back through the history books and I love to study history This is the way it's been for the United States of America. It has been that way for a long time. We have been a very blessed nation because our God has been the Lord. The nation was founded on Judeo-Christianity principles. All the things that were written were about Christianity. And here we are now turning our backs on the Lord. We're turning our backs on the Lord. It says, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. That doesn't seem to be happening right now. That doesn't seem to be happening. So it's a very tense time. I like what Guzik says, Quote, in a national sense, this is Israel, the people and the nation chosen for a unique place in the plan of God. In a broader sense, it speaks of blessings that belongs to all those chosen by the Lord regarded as his own inheritance, including us, United States, those who have accepted Christ. We belong to him. We belong to him. Ahaz has to raise the money somehow to pay for this help. So he robs the house of the Lord. He robs the house of the Lord to help pay for this man. Instead of going to the Lord and asking for help, instead of humbling himself before the Lord, instead of asking for the Lord help, he has to rob the house of the Lord to pay for this man. This is what happens when we don't have a great relationship with God or no relationship with God. We go to man. We look for man's responsibilities. And here I am looking around like people are here. It's crazy. We go to man's responsibilities and we, we look to man for our help. How crazy is that? We have a wonderful God who owns a thousand cattle on a thousand hills. He, he owns everything. He created everything. But yet we, all we want to do is go and get help from man. We desperately need man's help instead of God's help. Israel... The entire nation, both the northern kingdom of Israel and Judah, has been shown time and time and time and time again that if they would humble themselves and come before God and seek his face, he would do wonderful things for them. Likewise, church, if we would but humble ourselves, if we would seek God with our whole heart, God will continue to do mighty works. He will continue to do the things that we ask him to do. But when we have a half-hearted relationship, we seek other things instead of the Lord. Ahaz is saved by this Assyrian guy, but it's going to cost him dearly. This also happens when we go on our own instead of looking to the Lord. It costs us dearly. We end up having to pay something because we're talking about compromise. And we start, when we start compromising our values, when we start compromising our relationship with the Lord, it usually ends up costing us dearly, usually ends up ending, costing us with great pain and suffering. So Judah was being attacked by Israel and Syria, but God also brought the Edomites into the picture and the dreaded Philistines also into the fight. Ahaz sends word to the Assyrians, he asks for help. So out of fear and no consulting the Lord, he compromises and sells out to the Assyrians. Ahaz did not to the Lord because he didn't have a relationship with him. He didn't make the Lord the priority of his life. Therefore, why consult him if he's not one person who I have a, a relationship with? So as he speaks to these enemies of Israel, he sounds like, as one commentator says, I love this quote, A flattering flunky, what we would call a (laughs) bootlicker. I I like that. I don't know why I like that. So this bootlicker, this guy, he goes to this guy, and look what he does. This is what's interesting to me. He comes up to this Tiglath guy, and he calls himself his son, his servant. This is a strange position for a descendant of David. This is a strange position for him to take before a pagan king. I'm your servant. I'm your son. This is a hard position for him to take in front of this man. Just turn your back completely on the Lord God Jehovah. So what does this bootlicker do? He takes all the wealth of the Israel temple and he places the items and he sends it to the king as a gift. It becomes payoff money. It becomes tribute. Ahaz makes Judah now a nation under the control of a foreign power. It's a nation that is under the control of a foreign power. Yes, they're protected, but their hope and their trust is now in a man and not in the Lord God, Jehovah. And this, folks, is a scary place to be. When you put your trust in a man, it is a scary, scary place to be. We trust in the Lord our God. And in only him do we put our trust. We do not put our trust in any man, save Jesus Christ. We do not put our trust in anyone except him. Please, listen to that. So Tiglas summons Ahaz to Damascus for orders. He calls Ahaz up to Damascus because now he's going to give him some orders. But Ahaz, who has compromised politically... Also, but more importantly, now he compromises religiously, and he goes against god 's word one more time. Let 's read verses 10 through 18. Now, King Ahaz went to Damascus to meet Teglath Pilserer, king of Assyria, and saw an altar that was at Damascus, and King Ahaz sent to Erijah the priest and the design of the altar and its pattern according to all of its workmanship. Then Uriah, Uriah the priest, built an altar according to the king Ahaz had sent from Damascus. So Urijah, the priest, made it before king Ahaz came back from Damascus. And when the king came back from Damascus, the king saw the altar, and the king approached the altar and made offerings on it. So he burnt his burnt offering and his grain offering, and he poured his drink offering and sprinkled blood on this of his peace offerings on the altar. He also brought the bronze altar, which was before the Lord, from the front of the temple, from between the new altar and the house of the Lord, and put it on the north side of the new altar. Then King Ahaz commanded Uriah the priest, saying, on the great new altar burn the morning burnt offering, and the evening rain offering, and the king's burnt sacrifice, and the grain offering, and the burnt offering of all the people of the land, their grain offering and drink offerings, and sprinkle on it all the blood of the burnt offering, and the blood of the sacrifice, and the bronze altar shall be for me to inquire by. Thus did Urijah the priest, according to all that the king has commanded. And the king Ahaz cut off the panels of the carts, removed the labors from them, and he took down to the sea from the bronze oven, oxen, excuse me, that were under it, and put on the pavement of stones. Also, he removed the Sabbath pavilion, which they had built in the temple, and he removed the king's outer entrance from the house of the Lord on account of the king of Assyria. Wow. This is some heavy duty stuff this is really some heavy duty stuff. It's one thing for him to compromise politically and give up his stature as king and basically become a bootlicker to this guy. It's one thing to do that. But now he's in total rebellion against the Lord, our God. He's in Hold a rebellion against the Lord God, Jehovah. He's actually rearranging the temple. He's taking out the things of God that God showed Moses to build in the tabernacle, that God showed Solomon to build in the temple. He's actually removing those and bringing in now this pagan altar into front and center in the temple. This is horrendous, folks. But I, I have to ask the question, You remember what happened to Uzziah? When Uzziah went in and thought he was a priest and took the part of the priest and he did priestly things, what happened to him? He got leprosy. He was struck with leprosy. Nothing seems to happen to this guy at this time. But he's set up for a giant fall. This guy is now, set. not only has he set himself up for a giant fall, he set the nation up for a giant fall. He is setting Israel up to be chastised by God, that God's judgment would come upon the entire kingdom. You are a sure hope.
0: We'd love to keep studying the Word of God with you again next time on A Sure Hope. In the meantime, we invite you to learn more about this program by visiting our website, assurehoperadio.com. There, you'll find our archive of previous messages from Pastor Dave Shank, available to listen to and even share with your friends and family. Just look under the Messages tab. You can listen to additional teachings from this series in 2 Kings or jump to another book of the Bible. A Sure Hope is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cape May. If you're not already connected to a church family, we'd love for you to join us this weekend. We meet weekly, Sundays at 8.30 and 10.30 a.m. We'd be happy to get to know you and hear about your story. Find all the information you need by visiting AsureHopeRadio.com. Look on our website for directions as well as the various ministries that we offer. If you live further away or are unable to come in person, we'd love for you to be a part of our church family virtually. You can join us for church online through Facebook Live and on YouTube. Just follow the links that are available at assurehoperadio.com. Don't forget to like and subscribe to keep up to date with the latest information. As this edition comes to a close, we want you to know we're grateful you're a part of our listening audience. Make sure to join us again next time for more from Second Kings, where Pastor Dave will pick up where he left off. We look forward to that time with you again as you continue to learn and grow here on Assure Hope.